shows the power of conditioning and how you know the the way we are from childhood the the kind of attitudes prejudices opinions views that we acquire and they they still come to us even in even when we're more sophisticated educated practitioners of meditation and so forth uh, the conditioning is uh, you know is what we what comes up into consciousness the thoughts the, the memories so like good luck and bad luck Yeah, these kind of perceptions. You know, we want good luck and we're, we're afraid of that we might have bad luck. We're lucky or unlucky. <coughs> these are perceptions we acquire. You know, the, the dualistic conditioning process we want heaven and not hell want happiness not suffering because we want happiness then then of course we we're afraid of fear because uh, there's an ever-present possibility of not getting it there's birth and death and uh, the the realm that we're living in is like this uncertain uncertainty and so the, the desire for safety becomes strong wanting certainty and safety 
for oneself, for one's family, for one's monastery, for country, uh, the nation, well, it's a desire for safety and certainty. And yet the Buddha pointed to the reality of uncertainty. <coughs> Now this is, you know, the reflection on, on the first noble truth. Because uncertainty, this sense of not knowing, of not being sure uh, what's going to happen in the future. You know, that uh, leaves us in a state of, we, we, we want uh, predictions, you know, go to fortune tellers or whatever in order to you know maybe make us feel better if we hope, hopefully get a good forecast say you're in the crystal ball it says you will live a long life with good health happiness prosperity you'll die a painless death say, whoopee <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear <laughs> And be rather agonized. What if you went to a fortune teller? The crystal ball said, "You're going to have a lot of pain and misery, misfortune. You may live a long time, but you're going to have an agonizing time the whole time, and the death's going to be absolutely horrendous." <laughs> meditation, the, the, the uh, looking, you know, beginning to awaken to the, to these uh, dualistic perceptions. Because this is what we can do. This, this is certain. We can certainly awaken in the present. About the future, it is uncertain. Maybe the fortune teller, when, when she said everything's going to be just super duper in the future, and then, uh, maybe she, she's, maybe she's a charlatan, maybe she's just doing it to make you feel good, so you'll pay her a lot of money. <coughs> so then doubt arises, even about the good predictions. Because there's always unknown factors in, and other conditions arising that cannot be known or predicted at this moment. So like, like just contemplate the future right now in the terms of this, we're sitting here in this temple on the 13th, uh, the Friday the 13th, February. Tomorrow, next year, or after the retreat, after the winter retreats, anything about the future. So you begin to just notice, awaken to the fact that it's uncertain, isn't it? Uncertainty is like this. Uncertainty are all the coulds, uh, couldn't, maybe, might be, Probably, it's possible, very likely, um, 
you know, these are how we, we express ourselves about the future. Notice when, it's hard to say, as uh, you pointed out to you many times, hard to say goodbye and forever in, in the present. We usually have, you know, see you again, we'll meet again, au revoir, you know. It's the, we can't say goodbye and this is, this is forever. That's too harsh. <clears throat> because there's always this, this uh, hoping, you know, in the future we'll meet again. Unless it's somebody you can't stand. <laughs> but then even to be polite, you know, even somebody we can't stand would say, well, see you again, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Very few people can be just totally rude and get away with it. <clears throat> so why is it like this? Why do we what what is it in us that it's it's fear, anxiety, worry are the mental states we have about the future? Because uh, there's there's the infinite possibilities of success, failure, happiness, suffering, good fortune, good luck, bad fortune, bad luck, <coughs> and then the the, you know, the certainty of the future is that we're going to die. That's that's the only certainty. <laughs> And so, uh, and then, then that. What does that do? You know, death is, is uh, for most people even a, you know, rather frightening. Uh, when you say you're going to die, and that that's, that can sound very threatening, even though it's an obvious truth. And death, of course, is, uh, you know, even though the, the fact that death will happen to us, we don't know what, what happens after death. That's uncertain, isn't it? Because I don't know how many people keep asking me, what, what do Buddhists believe about uh, when you die, what happens? You know, I just mean, what happens when, when you die? Uh, wanting to know what I think about uh, what happens when when we die? So this this is uh, just noticing how death is is I don't know. Haven't died yet. So you know I could. You know, there's theories about it, all kinds of uh, possibilities about what happens when you die. So the awareness in the present is just noticing this is the way it is. Uncertainty is like this. And this, when we say awareness of this, is your ability to, right now, just recognize or, or notice this feeling this in, in yourself, this not being sure, uncertainty, doubt, not knowing something. But can you do that? Can you just notice what happened? 
So uncertainty also means that you immediately want to start thinking. Well, it could be, might be, hopefully. I know everything's going to go wrong. And, you know, one can be pessimistic or optimistic. Uh, so we, we try to fill up this, this gap or this space, this uh, not knowing, with, with probabilities. If we're optimistic, we, we make them positive, you know. I think everything's going to be fine, you know, just... And, or I think everything's going to go wrong in my life because of terrible things I've done in the past. I've got to pay off the price. You say you're going to reap the results of your karma. Nemesis is going to come and, and punish me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in for some, no, some heavy karma, pessimist. But the, the reality is that you don't know. So in this direct knowing of not knowing, the awareness is, is, is embracing, is a willing to allow this, this kind of blankness that comes from not knowing, that we feel so anxious about. It's hard, it's very difficult for most people to live and to accept uncertainty in their life. There's so many ways to distract, you know, to fill the mind with all kinds of, you know, gossip or silly things or, or uh, you know, we, we have all have ways of filling up the mind because we can't bear not this uncertainty, mainair and pai, Lung Pacha was was always pointing this out to to me. But in meditation, you're now you're looking at it, not trying to decide, trying to find certainty in uncertainty, but allowing uncertainty to be fully conscious, rather than just react to it as soon as feel insecure, uncertain, you want, want to get, you know, you, you have your ways of doing something to get away from it. Worry. Worry about the future. Some people are very good at this. Worrying about what will happen to them in the future. What will happen to the world? The pollution. What's going to happen to the Sangha? What's going to happen to Buddhism? going to happen to the United Kingdom, to Europe, America. <clears throat> and then there's all kinds of predictions and, and I have people who are very good at predicting possibilities. But now we're not, we're not interested in the predictions, possibilities, because they're suppositions. They're, you know, they're ideas that we form in the present. So this is like to encourage you to trust in the in just the simple ability to notice the way it is. You don't need to know about the future because actually there isn't any. The future is is a perception. Is only now. This is where experience is. So if we're always worried or planning our future 
worried about the future, anxious about the future, thinking about the future, then we're actually destroying the now. We're filling our mind in the present with worry, anxiety, fear, doubt, and we create the suffering now about what might happen. So that people can live their lives with with all the security of modern affluent country, the guarantees, the certainties of of uh, social welfare and insurance and medical plans and all the rest, owning your own house, retirement benefits, but then still uncertain. So like um, monks and nuns, summoners, the, you know, the, the whole idea of being a samana or an alms mendicant is, is to abide in this state of uncertainty. It's like you, when you go forth, the bapacha, you're going, it's a sense of going forth into the unknown, not to the, the security of family and wealth and, and all that we, we have when we're, we're lay people, but going into uncertainty being dependent on, on alms is quite, you know, going into uncertainty. How do you know your people will give alms? Unless <laughs> we can, you know, get a, get a trust fund and a plan and make, you know, make everything so that we're certain that we will get, get something. But the, the spirit of the holy life or the samana life is uncertainty. You know, not not trying to secure it, make it certain, with the worldly ways that that we're quite, you know, that we are used to. And then the 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 goal is to develop the path, the eightfold path. Which is always now. It's not a path that, you know, you, you, you've, uh, you've got to find it. It's a matter of now. Awareness now. So this emphasis always on the, on this awakened state, attention now to the way it is. So you can't trust how your mind thinks or your emotions. Your emotional habits are conditioned. And they become habits, don't they? So we, we have ways of just reacting to praise and blame that we acquire when we're, when we're children to success or failure or, or, pray, uh, or being important or unimportant. Good fortune or bad fortune, good luck or bad luck.
you know, if one is is seeking success in life, then and this is you know this is a goal of feeling that I'm a successful person. You know, if my ego depends on the on the feeling that you know of this wanting to be a, considered a successful person, then there's always fear of failure. Goes along with it. They're a pair. You have one, you have the other. So, this notice in in uh, the in the Samana life meditation, the more you try to succeed in it, sometimes the more despair you have, the sense of being a failure at it. Some of the most clever people that have joined the Sangha, you know, sometimes you get really brainy, clever types that get into the Sangha. And... Uh, really goal-oriented, successful people and they end up feeling like failures. <laughs> because, you know, you can... to be a successful samana, you can't, you can't adopt just the, the methods that you use, you know, the ego, egotistical habits you have, emotional habits to, that you use as a lay person. <clears throat> and that with meditation, you know, you, even if you do succeed in getting the jhanas, they still come and go. You know, you have to, you get, if you, if you're depending on controlling your mind all the time and, and uh, keeping it tranquil, and, and and then of course you you become the ultimate control freak. Isn't it? You've got to control everything to support it. So you you dread any kind of conflict, or any disharmony, or or harsh uh, conditions. You know, you're absolutely uh, shattered by by loud noises or somebody blowing their nose in the temple. <laughs> That's how how many of you actually speak, don't you? You, you think in terms of of these hyperbolic terms. Little things absolutely shatter you, you know, they totally destroy you. Yeah. Absolutely overwhelming. Little things, you know, can just absolutely destroy and shatter. I mean, I've heard you talk like this, some of you. <laughs> what is that about? They're just some some kind of, you know, something, you know, some disharmony or quarrel or or uh, disappointment can absolutely shatter me. So one, you know, there's an encouragement to awaken to these things, these these assumptions, even though the way we think, how to think skillfully. So that we we don't use hyperbolic terms to describe something that isn't is not all that much. 
you know so we're not we're not exaggerating you know, because the more we 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 kind of cling to to uh extreme ways of thinking then we tend to experience things experience life through those perceptions So it's like in when I say the, the inner voice that says, "I can't stand any more of this." You know, listen to that. I've I've had enough. This is the end. This is, I'm fed up. Can't stand any more of it. And, you know, I worked with this a lot because my inner voice uh, used to say, you know, like in, when I lived in Thailand, having to sit for hours and uh, can't stand any more of this. I'm fed up, totally fed up with this place. And then I, I know that I could stand more of it. Then I can stand a lot more. <laughs> and yet the voice, voices scream me in a way I can't stand it. So what you know? Who, what are you going to believe? The reality or the, or the the panic button? the hyperbolic reaction, the over-emotional reaction to something, or the awareness of it. What's, what do you want to put your trust in? No, this is for you to decide. <laughs> Like reflecting on the way things are, you, you know, they, and and on the the way the world is, nor of the world kind of reflection. The world is. It's 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 upsetting. It's it's disappointing. It's beautiful. It's ugly. Uh, there's hope. There's despair. Good fortune. Bad fortune. Happiness. Suffering. Strength and weakness. Good health and bad health, and this is the the, the these uh, conditions are you know part of the way the world is. It's not your fault or anyone else's. It's just the way it is. You know the dualistic, the dualism is like that. You have one, you have the other. As soon as you're born, you're you you know you're in the process of dying. You know, birth always leads to death. <clears throat> the terminal illness, getting born. How to how to? Then the Buddha was pointing to liberation from this from these extremes. So in the Dhammajaka Sutta, this is the, you know, the, the Majjhima Bhattibhata, not the Gama Sukhalikanu Yoka, which is the path of uh, kind of seeking happiness, pleasure, eternal happiness, hoping for, you know, a heavenly state where you're, you're guaranteed happiness and safety forever. 
or it can be in terms of just the extreme of, of happiness, looking for pleasure and beauty and happiness and comfort and safety. And it's not the Atta Kilamatana Yoga, the path that is where, you know, of, of denial and, and uh, asceticism, self-torture, trying, trying to control everything, get rid of every desire, suppress every desire, uh, the sense world, to see it as a big threat and, uh, and, and make yourself, uh, you know, miserable through denial and resistance. So, Machima Bhattibhata, is that a kind of mediocre compromise between those extremes? <laughs> So notice that 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 the machima bhati bhata can be can be kind of like some logically it's seen as some kind kind of you know it sounds pretty boring actually isn't it machima bhati bhata because the extremes are much more interesting you'll be really happy and be really successful and 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 be really respected by everybody and, you know, really um, have just surrounded by beauty and comfort and safety. So this is really, you know, that sounds great. Really wonderful. <coughs> so is it a kind of Majima Bhadi Bhattar kind of cold porridge experience? <laughs> Where you don't even have any sugar or salt to put on your porridge, it's kind of bland nothingness. So is that what monasticism is about? We're here to just kind of make ourselves into some kind of bland compromise between the extremes. Or he's pointing to nibbana, not to not to the conditioned realm, not to finding just uh, uh, mediocrity. On the, on the conditioned plane, but to awaken. Because as long as our identities and our habits are conditioned to seek extremity, and then we're thrown into that, that spiral all the time, the samsara, we just get whirled away into, into that cyclone. And of course, uh, you know, old age is inevitable. When you're young, you know, you don't think about it very much. At least I didn't. Uh, you know, it seems so distant. Old age seemed like such, you know, so far away. It wasn't worth thinking about. And suddenly I found out I'm old. What happened? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so this is where, like, like this, uh, notice the emphasis the Buddha placed on awareness, sati, sampachanya, satipanya, in the awakeness, the Buddha, the Bhutto, this attentiveness to the present, here and now, timeless, Akaliko, isn't it? 
timeless santitiko, apparent here and now. It's not not a kind of uh, some, something far away for tomorrow or next year. So what's apparent here and now and timeless at this very moment? What is it? You know, when you think about it, you'll just get caught in uncertainty again. This is, what does it mean? You know, because the, the thinking mind is, is made for dualisms. That's its function. You know, you have a thinking work. You have one thought and then the one thing goes on to the next. So when you think about life, you're always experiencing life through this kind of linear experience of the past, present, future, uh, and and seeing everything in terms of opposites, or of uh, struggle between opposites, so a war, uh, a, a clash, you know, trying to control things, to fight off the evil forces to grasp hold of the good. And so dualistic thinking, you know, the thinking process is dualistic, so it, it is limited to that. So in terms of Dhamma teaching, the Buddha isn't, doesn't ask us to grasp the teachings, the, 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 the scriptural teachings as an end in themselves. You know, just to believe in Buddhism, Buddhist, what Buddha's words and things like this. This is not what was encouraged. But the teachings are, they're all pointing at the now, this awakeness. So even when you have these lists of things in, <coughs> in the Pali Canon, in the kinds of lists of different uh, factors and faculties and fetters and asavas and noble truths and eightfolds and seven factors and on like this. <laughs> Is this, you know, you have to have one to seven. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But they're about the now. You know, they're, they're, they're not something just to grasp and know uh, through thought. But what does that, how does that apply to this present? The way it gives, you know, the, these Dhamma teachings help you to kind of look at things in different ways. They're not positions to take or, or just uh, to believe in. So you have these, these teachings uh, which are, you know, how does that apply to, to the experience now? So the Majima Bhattibhata now, the path, is, what is that right now? And, you know, if you try to think about it or analyze it, you, you just, you, you know, you just get caught at the end of the day in being uncertain. Or you might come up with some bright idea that you grasp. So this is where letting go of, of thinking and, and trusting in the pure awareness, it's like not knowing, is this, this emptiness, 
the emptiness you feel when when your when your mind stops, when there's a doubt, an uncertainty, a mystery, wonder. Isn't it like wonder is the is where your mind stops when you when you think of something when you you experience wonder. It's wonderful. Your mind stops. At least mine does. And just kind of there in this state of, you know, of, of where the, the thinking mind isn't operating anymore. Awesome. But we don't have to go out and seek awesome or wonderful things to stop the mind. This begin to, to use the, the here and now. And to, to recognize, to realize it. That it's not something to, to dismiss and run away from, but to develop, cultivate. So in uh, monastic life, it's not for becoming anything. You know, if we're using monasticism for becoming something, like becoming an ajahn or becoming a, uh, you know, an abbot of monastery or becoming a, a master of meditation or something, then, <laughs> uh, then we've kind of missed the point. <clears throat> so it's the the uh, it's not not becoming anything. The the form is is uh, established in a way that that tries to encourage that this reflection. You know, it's uh, designed psychologically to to um, help us. Of course, like any convention, it can be used for something else, you know, to build an ego with. <laughs> no one can become, you know, proud of that one is uh, uh, a meditation master. I've been called meditation master of meditation. Sometimes when I give public talks, they like to make announcements. They say, this is the Venerable Ajahn Sumato, who's a meditation master. Because <laughs> the world is like that. You know, they wouldn't want, you know, they want to, they're trying to make me sound like I'm worth listening to. I, somebody they should pay attention to. <laughs> no, that's okay. But that's not that's not the you know what what I became, why I became a monk. So the the aim of monastic life has been to see through all that stuff, not to you know not to use a life for a personal gain, but to to see through the illusions, the uh, the dualistic thoughts the 
to break out of the, to be free from emotions, you know, emotional habits that were very unskillful. Childish emotions, you know, still, still feeling, you know, offended, easily offended, upset, and inwardly sulking if I didn't get my way, or a lot of fears and anxieties and and the fear of rejection by others and and all these kind of emotions, you know, were part of a, uh, you know, an emotional habit pattern that, that uh, you know, before I, I understood Dhamma, I was just kind of trapped in it. Just kind of, I didn't know how to get out. It's not that I wanted those emotions, but that's what you got when the conditions arose I'd be offended or upset or totally shattered or devastated or by little things <clears throat> if I couldn't get my way I could you know I'd inwardly sulk no I don't get my way I think I'm not going to speak to you again <laughs> now there's also recognition that I didn't really want to be like that you know that wasn't you know even at the time before I meditated I could see I didn't want to be like that but that how do you how do you deal with it how do you well, you know, you can kind of suppress the feelings or or hate yourself for having such childish reactions to life. And so, what was there another way? And then, of course, the the faith and the interest in Buddhism was the obvious, was the kind of light at the end of the tunnel in those days. That was, uh, there was a, I saw this dim light at the end of a long tunnel, and it had kind of a Buddha Rupa at the end, like this one, you know kind of, it was dim, but it was a light at least. So, pursuing that. Then, in the monastic life, of course, it brings all these childish emotions into consciousness, because becoming a monk doesn't mean you, you're avoiding them. It means that they, they, you know, you can't get away from them until you understand them. Because just shaving your head, putting on a robe, doesn't mean it change anything but your outward appearance. And the emotional habits are still just as, as they were when you were layman. Till you begin to understand the arising and ceasing of conditions. And understand the, uh, and see the, the, have the insight into letting go of the causes, the desires. And you can have insight into how things that arise cease, realize the cessation, condition, all conditioned phenomena, childish emotions, all it, all go to cessation if you let them. You know, if you're not just resisting or denying them, they, whatever, uh, you know, your emotional habits might be, or thoughts, or memories, if, if you're patient and willing to let them be what they are, I guarantee everyone ceases. Now you have to test this out. 
I might be wrong. You might find something, some emotional habit that never ceases. <laughs> but I haven't been able to, or been trying to find one for many years now. <laughs> so when thing, when the, the reality of cessation, the insight is is uh, realizing it. So this word realizing reality, it's real. It's not. It's not uh, theoretical. Cessation is the reality. So when you when you have that insight, when that insight is strong, then you cultivate that the the reality of cessation, the way of of letting things be what they are. They arise. They cease. Your relationship to them is no longer through attachment and identity then, but through awareness. So we still have, you know, the the karma to live with and and that of being this this being here. But instead of identifying with the karma, the vipaka karma that arises in the present, and and judging it, and clinging to it, and and creating more of it, more you make creating a problem about it. The 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 trust or confidence in cessation is become increases as you as you. Cultivate this way, or the pawana, the fourth noble truth, the eightfold path, is the pawana. Cultivating this. So this is like the then this this path is not really a path; it's just a word they use <laughs> because it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Paths usually go somewhere. <laughs> But uh, it, it's always now. <laughs> so this path always brings you to the present, <laughs> brings you back to the present. You get off the path, you go around all over the world, and then that moment of awareness, you're right on the path again if you trust it. Unless you 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 forget that, and then you get oh I'm I've lost my way. I don't know where I'm going. What should I do? I'm poor me, and you get lost in your own uh, self pity or doubt and fear, and 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 make you know compound it with endless thoughts of failure and inability. But if you trust, just the the immediateness of awakening attention the sound of silence the breath the body the satipatthana you know the foundations of mindfulness they're with you all the time there's not not you don't need to carry the the scripture with you Reflecting in this way helps you also to, you know, to remind you of the, that this uh, 
that, that it is here and now. You know, even though we chant Santitiko or Kaliko, Ehipasko, Upanayako every day, the Dhamma, you know, we can just, you know, we can say the words, but then we, we don't really reflect. It doesn't, you know, what does that really mean right now? Apparent here and now. Not tomorrow. The timeless, Akaliko. Ehipasiko, and kind of like, ehi is this, like, come and see, you know, wake up now. <laughs> Look. I like to think of that one more like a command. Encouraging investigation sounds to, uh, you know, doesn't have that kind of immediacy. Come and see, now, not tomorrow. And then uh, Opanayako, leading onward, or inward. I mean, it, it means that it's, you know, you, you're connecting to the now. You're resting in the now. Your refuge is in the now. So it, it, be, it be, you know, it's not, no longer just flashes, momentary flashes, but you find this stability. Agupa jeda vimuti, unshakeability, <clears throat> through totally surrendering them, totally trusting in awareness here and now. So it's quite simple, but remember the the complexities of our way our minds work. <laughs> we'll always make make a problem about it. So uh, I encourage you not to, you know, the, just the, you know, if you how you see yourself, like if you, you know, whatever way you think you you are, however you think you're a good meditator or bad meditator, or you you know not you know, not good enough or despairing or disappointed at all. If you awaken to it, it's like this, isn't it? Might feel disappointed. Like when Venerable News Revado disrobing. Disappointed was the emotional reaction. Sad. But there was an awareness of it. It wasn't, I wasn't wallowing in it or just trying to, you know, it doesn't really matter and kind of dismiss it. So, so when, when something sad or disappointing happens, you still feel it. You know, it wasn't like you're just totally indifferent to everything. But your relationship to the emotion is not is through non-attachment, non-identification. It is what it is. It's like this sadness. When you hear sad things, the, the mood of sadness arises. You know, read the read the, one time. I remember noticing. I was reading a newspaper and it had really news about people starving to death and all these little children. Where you know pictures of them just as kind of barely alive skeletons 
is really sad. You know, the, the picture itself in the story about the misery of these people. So, uh, you know, the sadness is, is, is what arises when the conditions for sadness And being aware of sadness doesn't mean you don't feel sad, but you don't attach to the, like being attached to the feeling means that you become a sad person. You make more of it than what it is. You, you, you know, it, it and, and you just get caught into moods, kind of helplessly caught into, into the mood of it. One can get very depressed and and just you know create a whole you know mood of sadness and depression and despair through you just this being not awake not aware and and just following it getting attached being attached and identifying but the moment that moment now you're aware of it. That's awakening. You're awake. There's an awakening, you know, that's the Majima Bhattibhata. So, we can bear sadness, disappointment. These are all bearable experiences, because this is part of life. You know, life is like this. Being the the conditioned realm is like this. Sometimes it's it's wonderful, it's it's awful, it's you know, it's full of awe, or it's awfully terrible, <laughs> or it can be you know boring and mediocre, pleasant, unpleasant, whatever. <clears throat> you don't have that much control over that. You know how can you, you know. You know, the desire to control it is a, is a very deluding one. The fear, and because you, you, you want to control it out of fear of it. You want to protect yourself and, uh, from any possibilities of pain or misery, failure. So then the awakening is the liberation from that delusion. that it here and now, parent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation leading onward. So there's somebody that, uh, there's a kind of rock deva in this monastery. Because this, this rock deva deposited a stone right by my the door of, front door of my kuti. And this stone is written on this stone, Santitiko. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's a good, good reminder. 
that in the Zantitiko Dhamma, you know, this is where as you open, as you begin to rest and receive life in the present, you know, there's nothing to get or nothing to attain or nothing to do really during this retreat. You know, there's nothing you need to do or get from it or achieve or attain in it. This is a, this, this is an opportunity just to rest in awareness. Just learn how to relax and trust yourself to open to the present. And, and, uh, and, and, and be able to receive whatever comes up. The restlessness, the doubt, the, the way your conditioning operates. You know, because we aren't used to resting in the moment. You know, we're all used to achieving and attaining. Winners retreat, get our samadhi, get this, get that, and get more insight and attain stream entry and blah, blah, blah. So that they, they, you know, that's what retreats are for. You know, the rest of you, you don't have such a, you know, you've got a, you got chores, you've got duties, and you can't really do it then because of the retreat. I've got to even make the most of this retreat get every, squeeze every inside I can out of it. <laughs> so then we can, you know, make ourselves, you know, just totally miserable for three months. <clears throat> Some people hate winter retreats because that's what they do. It all means you've got to, you know, you got, you've got to make yourself and do this and try to get things and so forth. And after you know, after a few years of all that, it, it you, you get so tired of operating in that mode of attaining and achieving. When you first when you're first ordained, you're beginning it's kind of fun, you know. To, you know you know, got this inspiration and and desire to get something from practice, but you can't sustain it. You know, it's impossible to keep it going. So, you know, because it's based on desire. So then, but then when you really you know, the teachings of Buddha are quite clear, quite simple. So don't, you know, don't read into them all kinds of subtleties and probabilities. They're pointing always at the now. That's their purpose. Four Noble Truths is about now. Paticca Samuppada, the dependent, is about now. It's all about now. Buddha is now, Dhamma is now, Sangha is now. And yet, when you think about it, it's, it sounds very common. How could Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, Four Noble Truths, Dependent Origination, uh, all this be about now? You know, this is obviously in Sotapanna, Sakata, Kamiana, Kamiara, it's about now. And all this, you know, these are three life teachings, or, you know, we've got to, you know, do something now in order to attain something in the future. You know, I've got to get my samadhi now, you know, develop that. So in the future I will have the foundation for insight meditation 
That's all thinking, isn't it? That's the way thinking operates. So you can't trust the, the thinking, your, th- your clever mind. So, you know, it, because it, it can, you know, it's not that it, it's, it's wrong or it, to, to despise it, but you can't really put your refuge in your own views and opinions and thoughts because they're limited. You know, they'll limit you, they'll bind you to, to uh, the inadequacy of that function. So, so the encouragement is awakening, which is now. And then that is, that of course is the reality, timeless, <coughs> akalika dhamma. So, there's some more encouragement for your practice and uh, as, as I keep on saying, don't despair, but despair if you want, but wake into it. 